The thing about Mike Nichols' immense talent was the great simplicity with which he explained so many things. It's what masters, no matter what their discipline, are capable of doing. For instance, he famously said that there are only ever three kinds of scenes. Fights, seductions and negotiations. With that in mind, listen to this scene from his first film, the multi-award winning adaptation of Edward Albee's landmark Broadway play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Hey, you uh, played football, huh? Well, yes, I was a quarterback, but I was much more adept at boxing, really. Boxing? <laughs> you hear that, George? Yes, Martha. You must have been pretty good at it. You don't look like you got hit in the face at all. He was intercollegiate state middleweight champion. Honey. Well, you were. You still look like you have a pretty good body now, too. Is that right? Have you? Martha, decency for the Shut up. Is that a fight, a seduction, or a negotiation? It's all three. And such was Albie's superb writing that the three states constantly spill over and seep into one another. Just like 25 years of marriage. But simply knowing that, and explaining it so simply, helped Nichols help his stellar cast distill the essence of Albie's script and keep focus on its issue. Nichols was a great believer in the script, for he believed that a good one not only served the actor, but protected the actor. However, a thing that Nichols did not believe in was using the word scene. Here he is explaining why we shouldn't use it at all. Look. There's only one question. What is this really like? Never mind the conventions and the decisions we've all made together. What is it really like when this happens? That there's something that is happening under and beside and around and in spite of the words that is a, an event that can only be described as an event because there's something happening that the audience perceives that is more important than what anyone is saying. Uh, without it, you don't have drama. It's in spite of the text. It is truer than the text. It is what's happening. Another example of Nichols' gift comes by comparison to what Stanley Kubrick often said about creating good drama. Real was good, said Kubrick, but interesting was always better. But while like all great directors, Nichols was interested in real, he was not all that interested in nice. If a guy at the studio, and such things have happened to all of us, if a guy at the studio says, listen, does Lady Macbeth really have to be so unpleasant and so ambitious? Can't she be more of a role model for young women? No, no, she can't because character is plot. And if somebody is ambitious, it makes a story. Remember, we're here to tell a story and there are good guys and bad guys and you need the bad guys so that there's conflict. Do you remember all that? No, no. I just, I just don't like her. Instead, Nichols wanted to get inside his characters' heads. And once he had found out what made them tick, that knowledge helped him help the actors transform psychology into behaviour. And thereafter, they behaved with incredible emotional precision and impeccable timing. Hello. Mrs. Robinson? Yes. It's Benjamin. Yes. Benjamin Braddock. Benjamin, where are you? Can you look through the glass? Can you see me now? Yes, I can. I got a single room. But there's one thing. The desk clerks seem to be a little bit suspicious. 
Uh, I don't know what the policy is. Well, do you want to go up first? Yes, I think that would be good. I'll be up in five minutes. Oh, goodbye then. Benjamin. Yes. Isn't there something you want to tell me? I tell you? Yes. Well, I want you to know how much I appreciate this. Really. The number. What? The room number, Benjamin. I think you ought to tell me that. You're absolutely right. Timing was a huge part of Nichols' vocabulary. Having studied method acting under Lee Strasberg in New York, he went to Chicago, where he had been invited to join a new company called Compass Players. Compass Players was an improvisational cabaret review act, and it was there that he began his formative, seminal, and highly influential partnership with the phenomenally talented Elaine May. So successful were they that within a few years they were not only headlining in New York, their show enjoyed a nine-month sellout run on Broadway. And then, as if that were not enough, they recorded an album of the show and that went on to win a Grammy in 1961. Uh, and may I ask what your name is? Charlie. Charlie. Charlie, I'm Miss Loomis, your grief lady. Hi. Is it Charlie Maslow-Freen? Yeah. You're related. Uh, well, that will be $65. Thank you. I have the check all made out. Oh, wonderful. Uh, um, before you go, Mr. Maslow-Freen, I, I was just wondering, would you be interested in some extras for the loved one? What kind of extras? Well, how about a casket? <laughs> He had been born Igor Peshkowski in 1931 Berlin and by an astonishing stroke of fascist bureaucracy he and his family were granted safe passage out of Germany. Why? Because they were Russian Jews and not German Jews. So in May of 1939 a mere four months before Hitler's rage let loose a second world war Igor and his brother Robert got on a boat and sailed to the United States. Their mother, Brigitta, had been too ill to travel, but their father, Pavel, had gone ahead a year earlier, which meant that the two boys, eight and three years old respectively, travelled across the Atlantic on their own. Getting off the boat in New York, young Igor was amazed to see a neon sign written in Hebrew for a local delicatessen. He turned to his father and asked, Is that allowed? It is here, replied his father. His mother arrived a year later, having secured safe passage through Italy. But things in America didn't work out as planned. His parents argued endlessly, there were infidelities, and within three years his father had died of leukaemia. Thereafter, his mother descended into what Nichols called a nightmare of accusation. Nichols needed to get out, and off he went to Chicago, where he met Elaine May, some of which can explain this legendary skit. Hello, Arthur. This is your mother. Do you remember me? <laughs> Mom, I was just going to call you. Is that a funny thing? Do you know that I had my hand Arthur, on the phone? you I were was... supposed to call uh, me last uh, Friday. Mother, honey, I know. I just didn't have a second and I could cut my Arthur, throat. I was. I sat I, by that phone uh, all day Friday. Uh, honey, I was working. And I just all day have... Friday night. Darling, I was in the lab. And all and I... day Saturday. Mom, I, I and all the... day Sunday. Mom, And I... your father finally said to me, Phyllis, eat something, you'll faint. <laughs> and 
I said, no, Harry, no. I don't want my mouth to be full when my son calls me. By the time Nichols made his first film, he had won the Tony Award for Best Director three years in a row. The plays were all comedies, Barefoot in the Park and The Odd Couple, written by Neil Simon, and Love, authored by Murray Schiskel. In theatre, it is the writer who is king, but in cinema, it is the director. And as far as film critics are concerned, one of the things that makes a great director is a strong theme that runs throughout their work. And that recurring theme is supposed to be accompanied by a discernible visual style. Together, they are supposed to provide for signatures. But if you look at Mike Nichols' work, you might well ask, where is the signature? Where is the style? What was his theme? Well, you could easily find it in his first four films. You spend more time in bed than any other human being past the age of six months than I ever heard of. The reason I sleep all day is because I can't stand my life. What life? Sleeping all day. <laughs> See, that sort of thing, I fall in love with you all over again. Marry me, child. Please marry me. You're trying to kill me. Marriage is death. Why now? Because two years ago, I slept eight hours. A year ago, it was 12. It's up to 15 now. Pretty soon, it's going to be 24. What are you trying to do? Scare me? I need a life. Get a job! I don't want a job. I want you. I'm taken by me! The ease with which Nichols made the shift from stage direction to screen direction was astonishing. It was almost on a par with that of Orson Welles. Just look at Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, The Graduate, Catch-22 and Carnal Knowledge and take note of Nichols' framing, his use of lenses, lighting, colour, editing and the use of sound and you will see and hear just what I mean. For those early films, you can see a singular style. Nichols liked filming events in single shots. Now, such a technique requires precise timing and if you get it wrong there is no way of going back into the scene and attempting a salvage operation via editing. You've got to know what you're doing beforehand. That was Nichols at his best and those four films serve now as masterclasses in direction. After that however things soured and badly. The Day of the Dolphin, a science fiction thriller, flopped and then came The Fortune which had Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson as a pair of 1920s hustlers. The title said it all. It cost that much and lost almost the same. More importantly, it looked as though Nichols had lost his own fortune, or should I say luck, or at least his own self-belief, because his next picture, Bogart Slept Here, he didn't even finish. Written by Neil Simon and starring Robert De Niro, Nichols found that his nerves were so shot that he shut down the whole thing in mid-production and it would be another seven years before he got back behind the camera. Silkwood is a very good film, its style and content markedly different from anything Nichols had done before. Later he gave us Working Girl, a marvellous rom-com layered with wit and style and 15 years after that came a really nasty adaptation of Patrick Marber's award-winning stage play, Closer. Yes, I came. How many times? Twice. How? 
First he went down on me, and then we fucked. Who was where? I was on top, and then he fucked me from behind. And that's when you came the second time. Why is the sex so important? Because I'm a fucking caveman! Did you touch yourself while he fucked you? Yes. You wank for him. Sometimes. And he does. We do everything that people who have sex do. You enjoy sucking him off? Yes. You like his cock? I love you it. You like him coming in your face? Yes. What does it taste like? It tastes like you, but sweeter. That's the spirit. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Now fuck off and die. By then, Nichols had already stepped into television and delivered not only a late masterpiece, but a landmark in television drama. The multi-Emmy award-winning Angels in America. I was never ambivalent about Pryor. I love him. I do. I really do. Nobody said different. Love and ambivalent. Real love isn't ambivalent. Real love isn't ambivalent. You know, I'd swear that's a line from my favorite best-selling paperback novel, In Love with a Night Mysterious, except I don't think you've ever read it. I never read it, no. Well, you ought to, instead of spending the rest of your life trying to get through democracy in America. So what was Mike Nichols' theme? I'm not too sure, but I am sure that you don't always have to have a recurring theme to be a great director. You can develop different ideas as you go. But remember this. Nichols began as a comedy actor whose preferred tone was satire. And satire works best when it has a go at conventional thinking, religion, politics, institutions, bigotry, ignorance and power. You know, the stuff that gets in the way of our humanity.